In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the True Life Podcast. I hope everybody's day is beautiful. I hope birds are singing. I hope the sun is shining. I hope you're in the arms of the people you love. I got a phenomenal show here today with a phenomenal guest who's going to break some phenomenal information. The one and only Nick Murray, a tech entrepreneur, full-time biohacker. He's an individual who has the ability to translate vision into reality. We're going to get into this. He's the co-founder and CEO of Wake. Uh, and he's, in my opinion, adding a whole nother dimension to the psychedelic space. And I can't wait to have you explain to the people a little bit about your journey. But let me just ask you first off, Nick, how are you today? George, I'm doing great. It's great to be back. I really appreciate the invite and really looking forward to our chat today. Agreed. Agreed. I, for those that don't know, we had a podcast what, about three months ago when you were actually in Jamaica, kind of, you know, streamlining the facility and streamlining the procedures and, and going over a business plan and, and creating this vision that, that you've had for a while. For those who may not have caught that show, maybe you can like build a little bit of a foundation of who you are and how you got started and what, where you're at right now. Yeah, sure, George. Uh, I'm a geek. I was born a geek, you know, came out with a laptop, I think. Uh, so my background is really in technology, either figuring out how it works building software, building hardware. And I had a, a really personal experience with psychedelics uh, early on in life. And a partner that uh, I dearly love was, was diagnosed with cancer. We went through quite a journey of learning about the body, learning about the mind and, and really how they interact. And through that process, I really saw the power of plant medicine and really fungi medicine, not just the psychedelics, but the other parts of the kingdom to help people and to really build up their bodies. And I thought, you know, how can I partner technology, which I absolutely love, with the body and health? Because they're both systems of systems and they can and will interact with each other. So how do we bridge those? Because what I saw was a lot of brilliant people kind of operating in, in a silo and that wasn't bridging over to the West. And so I thought, you know, with technology, we can prove it or at least we can quantify these results. 
And so that was really the journey that I embarked on around 10 years ago and started with a tech company that was health focused. Then uh, we, we did really well with that and then kind of expanded into offering the same for clinical research. And then that's really how I said, you know, I want to be a part of this, this new psychedelic revolution that's coming and how can I play a part? And so it started with technology. Um, I ended up going down to Jamaica because it was one of the only legal jurisdictions and still is on a federal basis. And once I got down there, I realized, you know, we, we need to do more than just the technology. We need to actually do the growing and then the providing of the medicine. And uh, so here we are today, three years later, we've, we've got the largest uh, farm in the country growing psychedelic as well as uh, functional and uh, the uh, exotic brands, which is basically the food brand of mushrooms, and then also doing uh, therapy and retreats in the island. So it's been a really exciting journey, but uh, really the whole idea is mixing technology right. with, uh, with ancient wisdom of medicine. Yeah, and I think that that, I'm very fortunate to get to speak to a lot of different people in this space. And one thing that I think is definitely unique about Wake and about what you're doing in Jamaica is that you, I think that you and your team have found a way to harmonize technology and biology. Like I see a lot on some levels, I see like a race between technology and biology, but it seems what you guys have got going on is like this harmonization. You found a way to measure and quantify a little bit of the spiritual experience like like that that's fascinating to me and i'm wondering if you can maybe unpack that a little bit yeah i mean really i'm glad you see that because that's really what we're trying to do but keep it very um very comfortable we we don't want technology to be in everyone's face right. we don't want it to be invasive or annoying basically because that'll take away from the experience <laughs> and nobody really wants you know to be hooked up to wires and right all that stuff so um the to be honest the, the initial reason was I, I was so excited that it was actually being taken seriously. And what, I, what I'm talking about here is psychedelic medicine. So obviously mushrooms, but then there's, then there's MDMA, then there's iboga, there's a few others. But the mushrooms, I thought, you know, this, this has been done before. You know, we had the 60s, we had the 70s, but then what happened? Well, then it was just shuttered. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But what I thought was, you know, if this, if this gets a lot of ground, how do we help to not allow it to just get shuttered again? And that was research. I thought, you know, if we could actually provide uh, FDA uh, regulated device research, so we, we only use FDA approved devices for our heart rate monitoring, blood pressure monitoring, um, our ECG, our EEG, uh, everything has been approved by FDA that we use. And we wanted to be able to show to the regulators, to researchers, obviously medical practitioners like doctors, that there is data here to either people's depression scores, how their blood pressure is, is potentially benefited from it, their heart rate, their sleep, all of that, I thought, you know, I wanna be a part of quantifying these things so that it's not just anecdotal because anecdotal is, is real. I, I do give it more credit than a lot of the medical community does, but it's still just anecdotal and that's not going to push the regulators to say, let's expand access. And so I thought, you know, what, what, what part can I play in this, in this massive new industry? What little part can I do uh, with my experience and, and really what my passion is, which is bridging tech and health. Um, and that was, let's, let's use technology to be able to show researchers, uh, clinicians, and obviously the patients, you know, that there is results here. And, and if the more that we can do, the N, as they call it in clinical research, 
is larger. And then that end will actually allow for people to feel more comfortable. And then hopefully the access will get expanded. So, so that was really why I, I got so excited about this and got into it. But um, there's, there's so much more to be done. And, and I really feel like we've just scratched the surface. Yeah, without a doubt. And I, I love the idea that it's in Jamaica or everything is above board. You know, we've seen some we've seen some hot spots here in the US with like Colorado and Oregon, but there's still it's still similar to how cannabis was, where a lot of people are in the closet about it, or they don't they feel as if they could have everything taken from them, or maybe it's their reputation, or maybe it's it's you know the the close friends they have. But you know, being in an area where things are welcome really gives you the ability to explore the territory. It's so true. You know, I meet some amazing growers, practitioners, therapists all around the world, and they they are unfortunately operating in the in the dark, in the shadows. And it's unfortunate because they're brilliant. I mean, they're doing amazing work and they can't be public about it. They can't, you know, share it on LinkedIn. They can't you know, really be able to provide this to others, whether it's other clinicians, growers, or, or pa uh, patients and practitioners that really want to learn and really want to feel comfortable with this. So we're able to, to operate in the, in the light and we're able to yeah. really bring people down. Uh, we've had a number of, of people come down and have experiential. So therapists, whether they're from Oregon, Colorado, or elsewhere that are interested doing some training uh, but even they can't legally experience the medicine. And, and, you know, and that's, that's an issue. If you're going to be guiding people through, you should do it. You should actually know what it feels like so you can speak to it. Yeah. And so they've come down to Jamaica. They've worked with our team and they've been able to experience it and learn from it. And, uh, and that's really important. So we, we love Jamaica. It's been, it's been a wonderful home to us. The government's been very open and, and helpful um, they've, they've helped with our exports to the U.S. through the DEA. We're really grateful to be operating in a place that kind of feels like the future. Like it is a federally legal jurisdiction that will exist in other areas of the world as, as time goes on. But at this point, it's kind of one of the only ones where it's operating. Um, everybody knows that the government is, is kind of you know, friendly and OK with it. Uh, we're, we've all taken it on ourselves as a group in the, in the country to really work with each other to ensure that the, the standards are high. And, and it's been a, a wonderful experience just working with everyone from the Minister of Agriculture to the Bureau of Standards to really maintain that level of standard so that we, we can grow and we can flourish and we can be and, and continue to be kind of an example to the world how a federally legal country with psilocybin can exist. And it's, you know, it's not going to be, um, you know, scary or, or worrisome. So yeah, I'm really, I'm really uh, grateful to be operating there because it does give us that opportunity to kind of be operating in the future. Yeah. There's a great quote that I heard is like, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. And not only is it above board, but you know, I think it's important to note that you guys are setting an example too, like the techniques you use, the way about your going things, is going to be looked at as a model for the next places that get the ability to go legal. So what are some mm -hmm. things you're doing as like a responsible and first mover in the space to ensure that the people that come next are, have a good model to follow? You know, it's, it's been interesting because we've, we're, we're friends with a lot of the people in Oregon right. that we're helping. And so we kind of, we, we advised them on what we thought was best practices. And right. then when the regs came out, we adopted some of them. So, 
Um, I mean, number one is 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 organic, bio um, created psilocybin. It's mm -hmm. obviously what we do. We're we're very much in the camp that nature knows best, and that you know there's maybe a place for uh, synthetics in the world, but it's just not our lane. But we wanted to maintain that as a as a number one. So mm -hmm. mushrooms that were grown by nature, but we want it to be pharma grade. So what does that mean? It means that it's been analyzed for a number of different things like heavy metals, mycotoxins, micro, uh, microbiology, and obviously the, the psilocybin, psilocin, and then there's a number of other beautiful compounds. What, how much is in there? Mm. So we're not just growing mushrooms, n not knowing the strain, not knowing the strength, and then kind of, you know, just hoping for the best. There's a lot of testing, lab testing that goes into our, uh, our, our process. And that's, that's very important that the industry has that because, you know, there's, there, there's much stronger strains than others. The golden teacher is kind of on the low side. And then you got things like Enigma that's, you know, eight to 10 times stronger. And that's a big difference. And so knowing that what's in your mushrooms or in your product, whether it's a chocolate or a capsule, very important. <clears throat> so that's part of it. So we work with labs in the US, mm -hmm. we work with labs in Jamaica, and, uh, and it's, it's important to us that we're able to learn from batch to batch how we're, how we're gaining. And then also that the industry kind of takes that as a norm so that the norm isn't just, oh, just grow it, just, you know, make sure it's, it looks good. There, there's a level of quality there. Um, we've also adopted the, the no wood use, and that's something that Oregon had. Uh, a lot of people don't know, and not to introduce any fear, but it's a reality that there is potential of temporary paralysis if there's certain uh, types of hardwood used when you're growing your mushrooms. And so Oregon said basically only bio, so no synthetics and no, no hardwoods allowed to be used in your growing. So, um, so that's another thing that we kind of, we work together on. Uh, we've been, we've had some discussions with other states. I can't say which ones because, you know, everybody's excited to know which ones are the next ones. But, uh, but yeah, we've had discussions with, uh, with three states and, I mean, one of them is an obvious one, and but the other two were were very interesting to 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 just on your first discussion, just like you said, you know, the, the first impression. Um, it they they really were informed. They really knew what they were talking about, and their questions were incredibly insightful. So I think that it's interesting to see that there's there's very genuinely an interest from the high levels of of government in the state in these states to to explore this and to make this uh, a reality. And it's interesting, the last call I had just before this one um, was around the, uh, the gun violence and how it's such a, a divisive you know, discussion in America. And so like, if, if we're going to not get too far on that, then we really need to focus on the mental health of people because that's, that is the, you know, guns don't kill people, people kill people. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the thing that's not being really discussed and addressed in a realistic way. And I've got to give it to the, uh, the Department of uh, Veteran Affairs because just recently, about uh, two months ago, they came out and said, we're going to offer medical assistance to anybody uh, from the VA that is, is suffering with suicidality. And that was a big deal because previously they had to go through the VA and it's just, it's, it's a little slow sometimes. This allowed for anybody uh, that's, that's a veteran to be able to get access at any medical facility which had just never been, you know, available. So it's little things that don't sometimes make the news that is showing that there's a, a growing acceptance that we have a problem and we really need to deal with it. 
And by opening up new novel, new novel methods like psilocybin, mm -hmm. like ketamine, um, hats off to the VA because they are covering people for, for ketamine therapy now in the US, which is a huge shift. I mean, it was, it was just, it was scoffed at a few years ago. So there's certainly like an openness that's coming down the pike and uh, we're happy to be a part of it. We're, we're leveraging as much technology as we can. We provide our platform to other uh, therapists and other growers that, that want to access it and use it. So really for us, uh, we try and take a collaborative approach. We try to really work with obviously our contemporaries in Jamaica, but um, anybody that's in the U.S. that's interested in doing their retreats that wants to leverage our platform, you know, it's available and, and we'd love to to talk to them and, and uh, you know, have that discussion. It's beautiful. It's it, the way you guys are collaborating seems to me to be symbolic of the way the hyphae grows with the mushrooms. Like you're growing together to like try to make things better. You know what I mean? It's such a cool thing to think about when I you think know, about. Yeah, I was just going to say that's why we called it the Wake Network. The company is Wake Network because we did want to be kind of helping and working with others and, and really have a, not just a network of, of therapists and, and retreat centers and clinics, but also a network of growers. And how can we work together? Because it's going to be, you know, it's going to take a lot to really help to address a lot of the issues that we have in, in mental health and mental wellness. And so a network is definitely what's needed. Yeah, that's really well put. And I, I'm hopeful that the people who may not be aware of the possibilities of, of what plant medicine can do for PTSD or depression or anxiety, you know, I'm hopeful that people are really going to begin to see how big of a shift this can be. And you know firsthand because you've been down in Jamaica and you've had people come down there. You and I have, you've shared stories with me about people that had PTSD, whether it was through uh, traumatic brain injury or whether it was through being in a foreign country and being at war. And, you know, maybe we could shift a little bit to that. Like maybe you could share one of those stories about people coming down to the retreat in Jamaica, what that looks like and, and maybe what some of their comments were, what their, what the feel of it was like or what their experience was like. Yeah. Happy to. Um, I think I told you the story of, of one of our vets last time, so I don't want to bore your viewers if they've seen the last one. <laughs> So um, a recent guest, he, um, wonderful guy, well, I call him a kid because I'm getting old, but he, you know, <laughs> he's mid-20s, mid and he came down, and he, he, was, he was in a fog. He was basically zombified. He, mm -hmm. he showed up. Um, he flew from L.A. I think his connection was in Miami. He shows up at the airport, um, did, got on the plane without a wallet. He was literally just such a zombie. And I mean, just a sweet kid. And so he had, I don't know how he was able to just, you know, there's no water, like you, everything you got to buy at the airport. We've all been right. there. And so he gets to um, Montego Bay and our, our good buddy Riley's there. And I, you know, we're, we're just coordinating everything. And, and I said, you know, Riley flew or sorry, uh, I'm not going to say the guy's name, but he flew in before uh, half an hour before you, you know, just FYI. Um, you know, he's, he's just, he's looking for you. And, uh, and he said, yeah, his, his bags are lost. And it was like, oh shoot. And and he doesn't have a wallet. And it's like, oh darn this poor kid. And so they found his luggage, still didn't have a wallet. He shows up and he's just, he's not present. You know, he's definitely in a fog. And we find out that he had a vaccine injury when he was a little one, about three or four years old. And it really affected him and has just continued to affect him. And they've, 
his dad is a wonderful man. I mean, he's really, his dad was the one who said, you know, we've got to try psychedelics. And they, they, they took it very seriously, you know, and then, and then the, the dad actually came down, um, which is actually this, the story will get even better, George. I forgot about this part, <laughs> but so, so he, so the, the son comes down and dad shows up the day after son comes through is, is in quite a brain fog with all of the medications he's on. I mean, it's, there's one for sleep. There's one for, right. um, insomnia. There was one for, um, uh, what's it, um, seizures, there was one for depression, he was on at least four medications. And they, so we went through our protocol with him. And he was kind of like, I'm here, because my dad said, you know, like, mm. he wasn't, you'd expect kind of the younger crowd is so excited. Um, and then the older crowd that we see are just kind of like, at the end of their rope, they're like, sure, let's try mushrooms, you know, <laughs> so that's usually how, how it goes at our, at our retreats. They, uh, so his, so he does the first dose. And he's, he has a great time. And it, then his dad shows up at like maybe 5 p.m. So our first dose is usually at around 11, 30, 12 p.m. So they're coming out at around four, five o'clock latest. And he's just laughing and giggling. And his dad just, you know, shows up. We've got private shuttles that bring people in. And it was the most beautiful thing to see dad who's like, is my son alive? <laughs> and, <laughs> and, this, and this guy being just giggling and laughing and comes and hugs his dad. And you could just see his dad was like, oh my God, like so beautiful to see that on arrival, his dad was like, wow, this is, this is something special. Like I have been working tirelessly for years, decades to try and get my son back and look at this, you know, I've just showed up. So, so heartwarming, so beautiful. And then he did his second dose. I was kind of hoping dad would do it with him, but he didn't. <laughs> And, uh, and then the, the emails he gave, I mean, they were just so beautiful. And it was literally, I can remember it. It was, thank you for giving me my son back. I knew he was in there, but he had given up. Mm. And it was like, I mean, just imagine as a father, like you, you want the best for your kid and you don't know, you're, you're just at the end of your rope. You're just like, I don't know what else to do. Like I have got access to the best medicine, the best doctors. They're all telling me something kind of different. Right. Right. Um, I mean, it, we were laughing over dinner together, but he said that they, one of the doctors was like, well, you know, we could cut a part of his brain out. And he was what? like, yeah. And he was like, and it was a quarter of a million dollars to do that. And he was like, you guys have been wrong about everything so far. <laughs> and now you want a quarter million to cut out a part of my son's brain, which maybe it'll work. Like, you know, and it was like, it was, it was funny to, to talk about it, man. But it was so beautiful to see that, you know, after all of the struggle that they had been through, that something had had helped him along and that they were able to hang out and laugh and talk, you know, and it was it basically it broke him through this brain fog. So, yeah, that was uh, that was only two months ago and it was just wonderful. And yeah, it's been uh, it's been interesting to watch his progress. Yeah, it's a fascinating in so many ways to think about. Like there's some great procedures in modern medicine. And we're thankful if you get in an accident or if you have a, a really bad injury, it's nice to be able to get your appendix taken out and things like that. But sometimes it seems to me that there's, there's that old anecdote of we got good news and bad news. The good news is we have lots of medicine. The bad news is the medicine doesn't work. You know what I mean? And like, it just seems that like, it, wouldn't it be a logical alternative to try this thing that grows in nature that people have been using for 
you know, hundreds, if not thousands of years to help heal these, these things. And I, I'm really thankful that, but I want to jump back when you said you gave him a dose, like what, what does that protocol look like? Someone comes in, is the dose dependent on someone's symptoms or is there the, a multiple dose protocol or what does mm -hmm. that look like? Yeah. So we always have us licensed uh, medical team on site. Okay. So that's either a nurse, doctor, or both. And they look at their current medical uh, intake as well as previous medical. So that could be obviously pharmaceuticals, could also right. be supplements, usually is both. And, and that dictates things. Now, we don't say you must get off of everything because that's right. not our place. And it's something that they can talk to their doctor about. And to be honest, I mean, we want people coming in as comfortable as possible. Right. And what we've, what we've learned is antidepressants, which is unfortunately... There's a, the, the stat ranges, but it's around 25% of, of people in the U.S. are on or have been on an antidepressant. So they're everywhere. Um, those don't affect them negatively in a, in a way that they, they, they might overdose or they might have a, a, a terrible uh, situation. What they do, though, is they do block the same receptor that psilocybin mm -hmm. operates on. So what does that mean? Usually means that they need a, a stronger dose. And, and obviously, we recommend that they titrate, lower their, their dose prior to coming. Um, now, if they could come off them, great. But really, you know, it's, it's scary. People have been on these drugs for years. And to go off of them, you know, it's just it's something that is very difficult to even consider. Um, so that's really up to them and their doctor to have that conversation. Um, now, our team on, on site, they'll talk to the medical staff prior to coming down. And then they'll talk to our medical staff while they're down there. And this is day two. So they'll arrive on day one. Everybody arrives at a different time. We all have dinner together, but we really recommend like guys meet everybody, tour of the grounds, talk about what the protocol and the, the actual schedule looks like, and then get a good night's rest. So that's usually day one. Day two starts with yoga, meditation, breath work at 7.30 in the morning. And then they have a very light breakfast. And then they go into the protocol of talking to the medical staff, talking to our ceremony staff, and those are separate meetings. And then we do our vitals and our brain scanning. <clears throat> so the vitals is taking their blood pressure, their heart rate, and sometimes their ECG, and then also doing an EEG. So we have a number of, of brain scanners on site that we do. And that's really just to, to assist with research. Um, that's, not a, that's not something as part of our safety protocol. The safety is very much the heart rate, and the blood pressure, and the, med the meds check. Uh, but the brain scanning is really interesting because there's just so much we don't really know about how it affects different people and and how it's pre and post can be quantified. And it's really exciting for me just, you know, as a geek. So they'll so that so that protocol is where they decide how much they want to do, which strains they want to do. And if during the experience, if we want to um, have a booster, we call it available for them to to have. Now, there's there's no requirement for them to have it. And if they change their mind later and they didn't say that they wanted one and they do want one, of course, we accommodate. Um, and so that's really the discussion. And that's how we how we get to a place where, OK, you know, George is going to have four grams and that four grams is going to be three grams of tie and one gram of of eight, let's say. And that's usually actually the protocol that we go with. And so that way, the, the, the tie is lower in strength than, mm -hmm. the, than the eight. And then the next day we usually flip that. And so that then, mm -hmm. then they have four grams, but it's three grams of the stronger one, one gram of the lighter one. Um, now, some people want to go with three to start. Some people want to go with four and a half to start. That's usually the range. 
And then some, about a half of our participants go with a booster during their journey, either one or two grams. Uh, and that's just the sweet spot we found. Now we do serve it with, uh, with juice. So it comes with either grapefruit juice or orange juice. Uh, they call it lemon tech in the industry. And that really allows for the belly to be a little happier. You know, you, you hear about people that feel a little queasy from mushrooms. So the, the, that, that helps. And it also extracts and it, it, it increases the, uh, the onset. So it actually helps the, uh, the, the, the dose to get into your body or bloodstream faster. So instead of it taking 30 to 45 minutes, it's closer to like 15 to 20 minutes. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's how we do it. We'll be offering other forms of, uh, of dose. Uh, chocolates are, are going to be offered in our June retreats and it just offers a, another you know, access. Um, we've only had a few people who didn't like the juice. And so it just gives another form factor for people to take their mushrooms. It's, it's I, I love it. I love the way in which it's measured. I love the way in which people can come down there and, and feel at home. I love the idea you guys are doing breath work. I want to put on my my uh, philosophical hat for just a minute, and we'll, I want to step outside of what you guys are actually doing there and bring up some things of what could be happening just just in the future. I was talking to uh, this guy, Benjamin Malcolm, who's a farm D, and he was talking about potentially in the future what you may see is a course of you know mushrooms followed up by a course of ayahuasca or you know maybe even the use of um, uh, mushrooms with like a HGH involved in it. I know that sometimes athletes will use that to help kind of biohack the way in which their performances and things like that. But have you read any research on you know maybe in the future? And this is just all I'm just hypothetical, but have you read any research on the future of using different courses or maybe using HGH with psychedelics? Or have you read any of the new research coming out on, on those grounds? Not on human growth hormone specifically, uh, but we are very much a, a fan or, or at least open to uh, a, a personalized multi-psychedelic protocol. That. What's that? You Tell know? us about that. Sure. So we, we can only really speak to ketamine, psilocybin, of course, and then MDMA, which is coming down the pike fairly quickly as far as being legal in the U.S. And so those three are, are, the, are the tools in the tool basket, you could call it right now, that are very much at the forefront. Now, our friends at, uh, well, I don't know if I should give a plug yet, but <laughs> uh, we, we've got an, an amazing group um, at Mission Within. I love them, so I will. Um, they, they do iboga, and they also do DMT. Mm -hmm. And so those are two that I believe in. Um, we don't, we don't offer it at our, at our retreats yet, but they are, uh, they're definitely part of the kingdom, but they're just a little further out. And so I just named those three ketamine, MDMA and psilocybin. As far as we're, we're comfortable with them. We, we, we work with practitioners that, that work with those. We don't offer ketamine or MDMA at our retreats, but what we do see is if a, if a, somebody comes in a study participant or, or somebody who who's suffering from mental illness, mental wellness issues, they might not feel comfortable yet either taking mushrooms or psilocybin or getting on a plane to, to do so, because unfortunately that's the case until Oregon opens up fairly, really quickly soon here. Um, so ketamine is a great idea for them. They can do it safely in their own state and they can do it with licensed practitioners from their state. Um, usually it's not covered unless it's VA by their insurer, uh, but the therapy that's usually uh, married with it is covered. So it's a good way for people to kind of step their toes in into the psychedelic world. Um, 
Now it is a technically a disassociative, but it's it's in this in this world, and it will give them a very similar feeling to psilocybin, uh, so that they can they can start there. And so we see it kind of as a as a progression that mm. you know they they can they can try ketamine. It's something that's legal. It's been around for over fifty years. Um, it is sometimes insured covered. And then if there's an issue where you know it's not really working for them or it's not doing you know the, the what they wanted. Then it's something like, okay, well, let's look to something like psilocybin or, or possibly MDMA. So we see it as kind of like a, a customized protocol for everybody where they, they will be under one clinic. And we work with a wonderful clinic out of the U.S. called Revitalist that has really done it the way that we would do it. If we were you know, not psilocybin and, and we were not in you know, Jamaica, we were in the U.S., it would be how they do it. They, everybody at that company is just a true believer that this is needed. Um, they, they've, they're just, you know, kind of brothers and sisters in this, in this journey together. So we work with them and they recommend people to us. And then our, our guests, when they go back to the U S they get helped by their licensed therapists and their, uh, their clinics. So we're already doing kind of a, 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 a hybrid, you could call it where, um, psilocybin and ketamine is available under one friendship partnership. We've got a joint mm -hmm. venture with them. And then the MDMA part, we haven't really explored uh, with a partner yet, but we will be. And, and that's how we see it. So I uh, can't speak to the HGH part, but I do feel like there's so many commonalities. And what's so funny is that this industry gets so um, myopic sometimes. And it's like, <laughs> you know, and it's like, no, you know, nothing synthetic. And it's like, guys, you know, like there's, there's so many, like penicillin is now synthetically created. It's still kind of important. You know, so there, there's like you, you can't be so you know hard and fast with certain things, and and we do believe in um, ketamine. Now, obviously, I, I think psilocybin's you know better for a lot of reasons, but at the same time, if somebody is just if it's if it's ketamine or nothing, then of course you know let them try ketamine so that they don't end up down a road of you know other other pharmaceuticals or alcohol or or drug abuse because they can't you know self heal or or self medicate with with those things. So. Uh, there's a place for all of it, but I really am excited to see a world where uh, it is multi-psychedelic and you have groups and companies and clinics that actually do offer the same or, or sorry, multitude of psychedelics under the same roof. Because right now you've got to go to a ketamine clinic and then you've got to go to a psilocybin group and they don't share data and they don't really have a team that is is informed and knowledgeable about both. And so if you go to the ketamine clinic, they're going to say ketamine. And if you go to the psilocybin, they're going to. So it's like, you know, we need a we need people who are informed on multiple psychedelics as well as pharmacopoeia. Really, it would be mm -hmm. great so that we can really tailor the therapy, tailor the dose to people on a on a on a very personalized basis. So that's really where I see it going now pairing. I mean, I've heard some really, really interesting things about NAD plus being combined with with uh, ketamine specifically um you know in the uh, in the underground there's there's what's called a hippie flip and that's <laughs> and that's psilocybin with mdma um so you know we've had we've had people ask i mean mdma is not something we can offer in in jamaica and i mean it's just not we're, we're much more interested in doing something uh with either iboga or or ketamine in in jamaica than than mdma at this point just because of the legalities so yeah, it's going to be a really interesting world where there is this this blend, and and what you're getting at with the HGH and the psilocybin or the ketamine is very much the blend of the existing traditional, let's call it, world of of medical, and then this up and coming 
which is obviously older than, but is new to all of us, world of, of plant and fungi medicine. Wow, that was, that was really well said. And I love the idea that we touched on some of the hot button issues in there. But let me, since, we're, since we're kind of bounding, banting around ideas about the psychedelics in the space, a lot of people, Nick, say, you know what? Retreats are great and psychedelics are cool mushrooms, but we're leaving out all the people that can't afford it or might be scared to do it. You know it would be awesome if you or Wake had some sort of like a lion's mane protocol or something that people that didn't want to use psychedelics could like – you could help out these other people, Nick. What do you think about that? That's interesting. It's a, it's a good softball there, George. We've, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we're, we're very excited to actually announce that we've, we've taken all of the learnings that we've done. And I mean, it's just everything from um, like we've got a great partnership, friendship with the group at Kernel. Kernel is an amazing brain scanner that uses light and uh, traditional EEG to read your brain. And then uh, everything we've learned about both the functional side of mushrooms as, as well as the psychedelic. And then everything that's required to, for allow, to allow for people to explore things like uh, breathwork, yoga, meditation at home. <clears throat> How do you really wrap all that together? Because it's a lot. And especially when you're yeah. suffering from something like PTSD, depression, anxiety, everything's just a chore. And it's just like, you just want to get better. You know, you really just don't have the time to Google and go through all the research on PubMed and talk to 10 doctors. I mean, you're just, you're just exhausted. You're just tired. And so how can we wrap it all together? How can we provide something specifically for our, our veterans and our athletes, people that are suffering from traumatic brain injuries who we've really um, kind of focused in on, to be honest, in the early days. And we really want to help everybody. But that group, um, maybe it's just personally, I've, I've just had a few, few knocks to the head through, uh, through uh, you know, my, 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 yeah. my upbringing and my growth. Um, so, so I do feel like it's, it's part of me, but... Uh, we've just seen a lot of veterans come through, a lot of athletes come through um, that have really been helped by it. So how can we offer that? So we have started uh, a wait list for our Wakewell Lion's Brain uh, protocol, and that will really wrap things together like functional medicine. So there's no psychedelics involved in the Lion's Brain protocol as is. Uh, we will be possibly adding like a, an add-on. But right now, if you're interested to know a little bit more about your chemistry, uh, to know a little bit more about things like depression, anxiety, and post-traumatic stress, as well as how the brain works. Uh, we've really wrapped it all together, and we're really excited to offer it because it does also offer one-on-one -on -one therapy, mental coaching, personal development with licensed therapists out of the U.S. And so anybody that's interested, please go to wakewell.net slash lionsbrain. And uh, if you're a True Life podcast listener, we'll, we'll, like, we'll give you a, a VIP to the front of the line and a discount. Nice, nice. You heard it here. So you let's let's move into the world of athletics a little bit because you had mentioned that you know you have a background there, and I know that you have told the story about Riley and so many people coming down in a in a previous podcast. We had talked about athletes. So what is the relationship between athletics, wake, and these retreats and and psychedelics? Sure. Um, you know it's interesting because it started out this you know three years ago when we really started the company and. The first retreat, we had a number of athletes come down. Riley was obviously one of them. And it was really around these guys and gals, um, whether they've had knocks to the head, they're dealing with um, a lot of issues around, around self. You know, mm -hmm. you've, you've worked yeah. all, of your, all of your young age, your teenage age, your young adult life towards a goal. And, and some of them achieve that goal, i.e., you know, 
the, 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 the tier one, the level one, division one athlete. They're in the NFL, NHL, NBA, and then they're not for whatever reason, whether it's injury, they just retire, they get bored of it. But now who are you? And it's a big deal. And it's never discussed because, you know, that's not on ESPN. That's that's not sexy. But it's it's truly an issue. Like, where, where do you go from there? Who are you? You know, people, you know, you're not on the VIP list for the hottest clubs anymore. And you're not getting asked for your signature. And there's a lot of issues there. So so that was one of the reasons that some of the athletes came to our our initial retreats. And that's, you know, I was just a kind of a baby in this industry then. It was like, okay, I get that. I understand that these people are really coming here for a bit of a reset and a bit of a, you know, come to Jesus, they call it, or, or an internal self-love that, you know, I want to I want to basically rebuild myself and, and get away from who I was and, and focused on that, which is just driving depression, really, right. and, and focus on the next step. So, so that was the initial, like, okay, I get it why athletes um, are, are coming down. But then it really started to, to be clear to me that there was a, a corollary or a combined issue around brain injury. And that was between our veterans and that was our athletes. And it's just such a, I mean, it's talked about a lot more now, but it was just wasn't discussed. I mean, as long as, you know, you weren't seeing stars and, you know, you could count backwards from 10, you were put back on the field or back on the ice. And, you know, because there's no x-ray, there's no simple, no, this is broken. They cannot play anymore. And so they call it the invisible injuries in, in military and as well as health, as sport now, but, that was that was a big issue for these athletes, unfortunately, as well as vets that, you know, it's these invisible injuries. You know, if you if you lost a leg, everybody can see it. Everybody gives you sympathy and, and they take care of you. And it, the VA doesn't give you too much of a hard time because, you know, you can clearly see they lost their leg or legs. But if you're suffering from something like depression or anxiety or post-traumatic stress, you know, it's it's been a long time to for us to really respect that. So that got my journey into learning a lot more and learning about, okay, what happens when your brain is hit? You know, what happens over a course of hits? And what I learned, and this is thanks to Dr. Mark Gordon, who's just a brilliant uh, doctor and researcher, is that when you do get a hit to the head, it affects your pituitary gland. Mm. And the pituitary gland is responsible for uh, regulating your hormones. And so it's, it's different for everybody what, what that what that change or that injury to the pituitary gland causes, but it basically causes the, the hormones to be dysregulated. They're not in the right production and the right ratio that they should be. Now, our traditional system does not test for this. They don't test your hormones after a, a concussion. It's just not a, you know, a, a typical knee jerk reaction by medical. But what Dr. Gordon found and what he really kind of taught me was this is prevalent across all people that have had traumatic brain injury, whether it was kind of one bad injury or a multitude of injuries, it is prevalent. And until this chemistry is tested for and worked on, you're going to have things like depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress that will come up and you're more susceptible to. And so think about that. Our traditional model of, oh, they're depressed. Let's give them antidepressants. Mm -hmm. Their hormones are still dysregulated. Right. And now you're just going to give them more and more of these drugs because it's just whackable. Right? They're, oh, well, maybe you need more of it. Oh, maybe you need this other one in conjunction with this. Ten years later, this poor guy or gal is just exhausted and their hormones are still out of whack. Nobody's even tested for them. And they're on 14 medications. So 
So that was what I learned on this journey. And it was just so, um, so amazing. So it was such a light bulb moment to say like, wow, of course these people are not getting better. Like, of course they're frustrated. These people are just like really just getting shunted around different doctors, different meds, different drugs. And it's unfair to them. It's incredibly unfair. It's the, it's bankrupting our system. And these people are, are a core to a family, to a loved one, to their, their, their kids, their parents. So it's affecting more than just the person. And so I thank Dr. Gordon for really opening my eyes to this because he's just brilliant. And so we've included the Dr. Gordon protocol in our lion's brain protocol as really a, a first line of defense. And so what it is, is you get your, your blood taken at home or at work. So you don't need to go anywhere. We try to make it as easy as possible. And then that will allow us to provide that data to the patient and really start to help them regulate their hormones through supplements to get them to a place where their chemistry is, is better, is more in line. And they're actually a better recipient of things like psychedelics. So in a perfect world, they would go through the lion's brain protocol, which is three months, and then they would come down for psychedelics if they need it. But we found that a lot of people, once they've gone through and they, number one, understand, wow, this is why, you know, that, that it's my hormones that is out of whack because of, I mean, just that realization, just that knowing is so powerful. And then if they're, if they're still needing something, then yeah, of course we're open, whether our partner in the US through the ketamine clinics or ourselves in our clinics in, uh, in the Caribbean are definitely open to having them down and, and bringing them through our, our psychedelic treatment. So that's been the biggest eye opener. And I wish that it was just across the board, every medical practitioner knew if you've had a concussion, whether it was 10 years ago or last week, we got to test your hormones and we got to see where you're at because that's the number one. Let's fix your chemistry before putting you on to various drugs or various modalities. Man, Nick, I want to, I wish I could give you a hug. You're the, like, like the idea of bringing in like the endocrine system and the brain chemistry and the neurofeedback and the EEG. And on top of that, the integration with psychedelics, like that's the most comprehensive holistic approach that I've heard of. Like that's, that's, that is really bringing together the entire system and, and, or at least begin, that's the most holistic approach I've heard of where everything is coming together. And it seems to me like you would have the best results when you go in and you fix the engine, you fix the interior, when you're fixing everything. You have a better chance at having a better running functioning machine than, if you just try to fix one piece of it right there, I'm, I'm thankful. you. Do you think that has that, did that realization come from your background in, in biohacking and technology? How did you get to that particular idea of let's bring all these together? Was it, you saw a piece here and you saw a piece there, but how did you blend them all together? How did you come up with that? Yeah. I mean, it was really just experience. I mean, I love going down rabbit holes and <laughs> one rabbit hole leads to another, it leads yeah. to another. <laughs> and then, you know, podcasts are one of my favorites. Audiobooks are one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, these people, these brilliant people are, are surprisingly accessible. So I would read a pod, read a, a, an audiobook, listen to an audiobook, or I'd listen to a, a podcast and I would reach out and I would get on a call with them and I would probably sound like an idiot because, you know, <laughs> we all are at, at one point yeah, or another. Totally. And, and then, you know, we would foster a relationship, a friendship and, um, you know, in the case of Dr. Gordon, it was very much just like that. You know, I, I listened to him on, uh, I think it was Joe Rogan. And I thought like, this just makes so much sense. And this was actually before we did the ESPN's piece. And so 
I was like, you know, I want to learn as much as I can about TBI because these guys and gals are just like, I'm not a sports guy, but I was kind of in awe like that, that this caliber of group was coming down. Um, so I reached out to him and then I read his book and then I signed up for his course. And then I looked into everything he had said. Then I listened to every podcast and it was like just rabbit hole after rabbit hole. And it's, they call it translational medicine, mm -hmm. which it basically means a doctor that is going through the research, PubMed, Google Scholar, and, and a number of journals, and then bringing it to the clinic. And it's kind of like, isn't that what all doctors do? <laughs> it's like, no, <laughs> they don't. <laughs> and, so, and so translational medicine is what he does. And, and a number of amazing researchers, well, doctors, but really they're researchers as well do. And, and that is, is, is what, you know, really should be done. And it's something that I'm really excited about, not to get too off topic, but AI is going to be that translational bridge yeah. to so many doctors that maybe doctors, they don't have time. I mean, I know they're busy. I know they're burnt out, but they will probably want to know the latest of research or at least have it available so that they don't have to read every study because nobody can. Well, AI can do that. And so we're, we're really excited to, to be playing in that world where, we can bring things that are the latest and greatest of, of research into the clinic, into the, the availability of people that are going to be coming through for the Lion's Brain protocol, because it's we're, we're on the precipice of some really, really interesting changes in, in medical and in research. And if we can just make it easy and accessible, that's always been the issue where we've got some amazing stuff happening, let's say, like in a place like Israel but it's just not available in Canada or the U S yeah. and it won't be until X, Y, and Z. And even then it'll be a thousand bucks of treatment. Mm -hmm. So it's like always been this, this kind of segregated world of if you know the right people and you got enough money and you can jump on a plane. Yeah. You can probably get some help, but the average Joe who's on Medicare, that's just, you know, trying to get by nah, like maybe in 10 years, but by then hopefully Joe's okay. So, you know, it's, it's been, <laughs> it's been my, that's, that's it's, true. It's so true. It's been my mission to like, just like, just try and bridge all this stuff together and, and put it into an accessibility um, product that, that really just makes it so that people can just get on board, uh, you know, and, and we can, have, we can keep bringing things to people that is, is proven number one, and that is accessible. And so if we can allow for people to get access to information and actually, the uh, the people and the the products and the the protocols that are helping well then you know that's that's a better world so it's it's going to be a really interesting ride as we see these other states and other countries open up because we're 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 lucky to have done the work you know early on and we've made some amazing friends in the research and medical community and the more that we learn and the more that we kind of test and prove out inside of our organization the more we want to open it up and provide it to people and um, the surprising thing is like it doesn't normally need to cost that much money. Mm -hmm. You know, there's just a lot of reasons, you know, we could do another podcast on that, that it yeah, does cost a lot, that it does cost a lot, uh, but it doesn't need to. And so working with, and I know I'm really touting Dr. Gordon, but he just deserves it. Working yeah. with him, you know, he's able to do these blood tests for like a tenth of what it costs if you go to other labs. And why? Well, because they've got the best technology and they don't have a lot of fat. I mean, it's just a lot of, you know, middle management that's just not there. The hardware is actually better than you see at a lot of the other labs. Um, but, you know, for, for a fraction of the cost of what you'd see at some of the other labs, the big guys, uh, he's able to do it. And he's got partners 
uh, like Joe Rogan that have that have really stepped up and donated. So so we're we're just excited to bring this to more people because we just believe that it's so um, undervalued right now, and hopefully it becomes common that every doctor knows not to the head. You should probably get your hormones checked. Yeah, that's that's really well said, and I'm glad that you were able to underscore Dr. Gordon. I think that he's doing some amazing work and there's so many people doing amazing work. And if we're going to talk about AI and psychedelics and bicycle day on April 19th, we should probably bring up Yachem fever. <laughs> Congratulations on being CEO, buddy. But, um, um, yeah. He had a big post today. Stoked for that guy. But you know what? You had mentioned this idea and, and in the beginning, we were talking about athletes and you said before the ESP and peace, let's talk about that. And I, I've been wanting to talk about it, but I wanted to tease out all the things that you guys are doing that, that are, that lead up to this, because I think that that without the foundation that we gave, then it wouldn't really have the crescendo that I was looking for. So let, can we talk about that, that ESP and peace? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We, uh, we were lucky to be approached by ESPN through Riley to do a piece and then COVID happened. And then it was like, you know, nobody knew when it was gonna end. Um, and what was beautiful actually is, is as the world opened back up, we, we basically did our next retreat, which was last March um, with, with ESPN and with a number of amazing athletes that came down. So it was a beautiful way to be like, you know, shed the darkness, get back to, you know, some, form, some sort of normalcy and really allow for people to come down and, and they really reopened our, our retreats. So it was great to have them <clears throat> come down. Uh, it was a number of people. It was NFL, NHL, mm-hmm. uh, wrestling, boxing that came down. And uh, everybody, as I alluded to before, was, was suffering from a form of TBI, one or another. And we, we brought them through our protocol. And it was just amazing to see how um, these, these guys and gals were, were helped. I mean, they, they allowed for the cameras to be on. They allowed for interviews to happen. They were very vulnerable. I mean, it, it was so humbling to see these people who have gone through so much and, and were going through so much to, to be like, to bear their stories and to really, you know, just, just open up, you know, it was, they, they, they're traditionally not friends of media because Mm -hmm. of many reasons. Right. And they, they came down and they were so honest and they weren't guarded and they truly believed that this was a, a, a purpose and a cause that was worth, you know, really participating in being a part of and being open and honest about because yeah. they wanted others to see it. And, and there's some, some real ter- ter- tear jerking moments in the, in this documentary. I just, I was lucky to see a little bit uh, this week and, you know, I really just hope that it allows for more people across the world to see that, you know what, this is, this is worth exploring, you know, just let your curiosity run and, and the baggage of psychedelics, just kind of try to try to actually look at the science, try to look at the research, try to look at these people's stories and how it did help them along their journey. Um, you know, we, we kind of, we, we joke that like, this is going to open it up to the, you know, the next wave of people and Joe Sixpack is going to be more open to, you know, exploring things like psychedelics and mushrooms, because it traditionally has just been, you know, the, the, the Timothy Leary crowd or the hippie yeah, crowd right. or just the early adopter biohacker crowd. And what we need is for, you know, the, the everyone to really say, wow, I, I, I recognize that guy or gal from from TV, from sports. Mm-hmm. You know, they 
they they're not a paid spokesperson for wake they they came down because they wanted to try something new and they did and this is their story as raw as it gets and so maybe it's worth you know them trying or that somebody they, that they love to try it and i mean if if that happens and i'm hopeful that you know at least one person will say you know what i'm going to give it a try then you know i feel like we've done a good job so really excited about it we've had some amazing um, groups from upenn so we're doing a we're doing a showing at upenn on sunday and then we're also going to be doing a showing at cooper health in new jersey uh, a few days after that and then uh, for everybody else especially me up here in canada uh we'll we'll be watching it on uh, on espn uh, saturday at 11 30 eastern so that's the premiere for the for all of us all of us normies over here exactly okay yeah, yeah. if you can't come to our, uh, our our screening then then yeah 11 30 a.m this saturday 11:30 a.m. Saturday. You know, I, I want to send a shout out to to ESPN and all the athletes. I, I think the athletics is something that touches everybody's life. Like mm -hmm. whether you're a young kid that played t-ball or a young girl that was in gymnastics or a young boy that was in gymnastics and a girl that played t-ball, whatever. You know, I think that everybody has been touched by the world of athletics, and athletes tend to be a role model for so many young people. They overcome adversity. They leave the the places of trauma and and become figures bigger than you can imagine they become the storybook hero and mm -hmm. we often don't think about the pressures they go through we just see like the michael jordan and all the billboards we don't understand what it takes to get there we don't see the millions of free throws that people shoot in order to get there we don't see the 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 tragedy what it's like to leave your family and live this new life and we definitely don't get to see all of the trauma. You know, some people see boxers and begin to see them slur their speech or MMA fighters and stuff like that. So for athletes to come down and be so candid, I think is an, is an incredible move on their part. And I applaud them for ESPN as a media company to come in and be so candid. Like, I think it speaks volumes of how much they care. You know, it, it's, it's beautiful to see a shift of this media company. It's like, Hey, we care about our guys. We're going to bring them in and, and do this. I think that, I wish there was more of that because I, I think it speaks volumes of, of not only the company that's allowing it to happen, but their connection to the people that want to see it. And they're building a bridge right there. I think it's a beautiful thing. And mm -hmm. I, I, I'm hopeful that we get to see more of that because I, I think that it's something that everybody can be inspired by. And it shows a dimension that's not really covered in media today. It's, it's not really covered in the talks. It's kind of kept behind the scenes there. And I think mm -hmm. they chose the right people to do it there. I, uh, I'm really thankful. So it's it's Saturday, 11:30 a.m. I, I know I've I've um, talked to you to get to see some of the highlights. I'm I'm excited to see it. Have you, you saw some? So you said there was some tear jerking going on in there. Like what what was the part that in the trailer that made you kind of like, kind of take a deep breath and be like, wow, this is a good one. Well, I mean, they they got they let us see a little. Um, more than the trailer just recently okay all right, so, all right so the trailer is uh, is a little more of a teaser you know not 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 so teaser, <laughs> sure. and, but sure. um it was it was exactly what you just said it was exactly the the stories you don't hear or see on you know sunday night football yeah um yeah. one of them specifically was was a was a guy who you know he lost his grandma and he like him going to the schools to, to, to see them was with grandma. 
Mm-hmm. And so, and, and she was so enmeshed in his, in his, in his life of, of an athlete, whether it was, well, it was NFL and CFL mm-hmm. in Canada, that him losing her was like, was, was analogous to him losing his career. And, and he did kind of end both at the same time. And it was just like, it was so sad to see somebody who was so like, he just loved his grandma. And I mean, I'm, I think it was personally because me and my grandma were just so tight. <laughs> sure. You know, and and I could feel exactly what he was talking about. And I could see how, you know, he he did it for her almost like, of course, you know, he he was enjoying the sport. But there was just such a combination of, you know, grandma, football, schools and and all of it together. And it was like it's just part of the human experience that those we love, some of them pass away. And so it was just part of that him growing as a person. But at the same time, him just being open about it and honest about it, and he's talking about it. It was, it was a sad one. And then a guy who I've just become really good buddies with, Steve, um, who I think is just going to be the star of this. I mean, he's <laughs> just he's just such a lovable guy. Um, you know, he was being very open and honest, and he had had a very tough time. You know, with with just all of it, from being a kid in hockey to being on the ice to being you know after the ice. Um, and what's interesting is that Riley was was basically the the and I'm trying not to do any spoilers here, uh, but but Riley Riley was the uh, the the enforcer. He was like his protector on the ice. So Steve is you know a gold medal winner for Canada um, at, in the juniors and and did really well in the, in the NHL. Um, so these guys were brothers. You know they really were, and they're both Canadian. Both made it big in the U.S. I mean a very parallel story. And to see that, like they've they've maintained their friendship after you know the lights go off, so to speak, and that now Riley was kind of helping his brother through after you know after the lights go off, it was just like wow, like this was not just a you know a transactional like we're on the same right. team kind of thing. It was like after you know ten ish years after, I'm gonna I'm gonna help you, brother, and uh, you know I've I've found help in plant medicine and fungi medicine. And I think it'll help you. And so he brought him down and, you know, you'll, you'll have to see the documentary to see the story. But, you know, it was just one of those beautiful stories that it's just great to see. Yeah, it, it speaks volumes. Like, it's so multi-layered. You know, sometimes when I think about the healing power of plant medicine, I think one of the things it does really well is break down boundaries. And it's amazing to hear this. this it's amazing Ooh. to hear the story of people that are taking the different plant medicines, just breaking down boundaries. And then you see weight coming together with ESPN and athletes. And even though you have different labels, you guys are all seeing together like this healing moment. Like it breaks down the boundaries and you guys are like one group of people that are witnessing this change. I think that's a, and I, I'm really hopeful to watch that documentary and see that come through. Cause I think that that is what translates not only to people healing themselves from anxiety or depression, but that's the kind of thing that can heal societies working together. Like, oh, I'm just the same as this guy. I may look different. This guy's probably six nine, and I'm probably five four. But you know, we we do have these things in common. Or I'm behind the camera. This guy's in front of the camera. But guess what? I'm still feeling the same thing he is. Like that. That seems to me to be something like a a pattern that is going to be beneficial for for people to consume like that way what 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 do you think about healing um boundaries and and getting this piece on espn out there how do those things all fit together in your mind 
a good question. Um, you know, we see it. We've we've had over 200 people come through our, our retreat, so we've we've met a lot of people, and there there's a lot of commonalities. You know, okay. they, you you do see. And I was asked recently, you know, how do you how do, how does the group therapy you guys do at the retreats? Mm. How does that how does that differ from what we see in the clinical research world, which is person in a room, two therapists, male female, person on their own. You know, that's 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 clinical research, and there's a place for that, 100. percent but we really believe in the group and the, and the reason why, and this is what I so I told the, to this journalist was, you know, there's, there's so many commonalities to our stories. Now everybody's unique 100%, but there's commonalities where just hearing from somebody else that they had, you know, a, 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 maybe a mother or father pass recently. And, and this is what that mother or father represented to them, yeah. or they've gone through, you know, a loss of love or, or a divorce. And, and this is the, the combination of, you know, like anger and despair and hopelessness that they're feeling. That feeling is just so, you know, it crosses boundaries. It crosses divides of age or sex or culture that when people hear it, and even though it's somebody they've just met today or yesterday from, from the retreat, it, it opens up their boundaries and it says, you know, I'm not... I'm not so hard done by like, this is part of the human experience. This is something that, uh, yeah, it sucks, but it's part of it. And it's part of living. And I'm not so different. I'm not, you know, the, the, the unlucky one in my friend group. It's actually something that happens. And, and that person over there just shared their story. Well, I'm okay to share my story now. And I'm okay to be very vulnerable in front of these people that I just met. So that openness actually allows them to, to, to dive into the medicine a little more comfortably. Now, what I was going to mention in the beginning was it's very interesting to see people, and most people that come to the retreats have never tried psychedelics. So, you know, just to be very clear, this is much less of a, like, let's go and do mushrooms in Jamaica. This is mm -hmm. people that, that want to come down and, and go somewhere that they, that they like, that they've been told is, is a good place. So they'll come down, and the first dose they do it's usually obviously like with a little reticence, a little nervousness. And sure. then on the second dose, they're just like, let's go. I'm, <laughs> like, I, I, I'm, I'm comfortable. I yeah. understand it. I mean, and, and there's so many commonalities of the fears. Like they're, they, they all think, am I going to run around naked? I mean, I get that all the time, all the time. And they all like kind of whisper it. And it's like, dude. <laughs> You're the fourth person on this trip that asked me that. Don't worry. You're, that never has happened here. <laughs> I think you're going to be fine. Um, or, or, they're, or they're worried. And, and these are all like, they're not crazy ideas to, to think, you know, like it's, it's, I, I'm just so, every single retreat we do, I'm so proud of the people who come down because usually they've never been to Jamaica. They've never tried psychedelics. They have tried everything. They're depressed. They're not like, let's go get it. You know, they're very like, you know, it's, it takes a lot for them to mm -hmm. really come down. Like, I'm so proud of them. And really, because it's just, it's not easy to make that step. So they'll come down, they'll have like a commonality of, of questions or, or worries. Um, am I going to say something, you know, about my trauma, about my past that embarrasses me in the group? It doesn't really happen. Um, am I going to run around naked? Am I going to do something like might endanger myself? All these questions come up. And, and, and it's a commonality. Everybody has the same worries and it doesn't happen. So mm -hmm. uh, what's the biggest beautiful commonality is people are like, I was present. 
You know, mm -hmm. like I thought psychedelics meant I'm gone. Yeah. I, it's like I'm, I'm um, uh, hypnotized and I just wake up and it's like, what did I do? It's not like that. And that's what is the most beautiful aha moment between the first dose and the second dose is where people say, I was, I was living my story yeah. and seeing it from every angle, mm -hmm. but it wasn't like, it wasn't driving my fear. Like it would be if I was just lying, you know, on a couch in therapy where I'm reliving, you know, a, a particular experience in my past. And what happens is they are reliving it and their body and their brain doesn't know the difference between it's happening or I'm just remembering a, a you know, an issue or a, a, an unfortunate event in my life. And that's why it's so hard to get breakthrough with things like just talk therapy because mm -hmm. you're reliving it. And so the heart goes up and the, the cortisol shoots up. And now you're literally like fight or flight. It's very difficult to break through. Whereas with psychedelics, you're seeing it from all angles. It's like you're, you know, 10,000 feet up and you're looking down and you know, it's you, but it's that feeling of, it's like a video game character and you're seeing what happened and you're seeing it from other people's perspective and you're looking at it differently. So that's why on the second dose, people are like, wow, I was present and I remember it all and I'm okay. Like I, I can, I'm ready to go deeper. So yeah, that's uh, hopefully that, that answers your question around boundaries, but it, it's really yeah. interesting to see, like we've, we've never had somebody that said, I'm not doing the second dose. And I mean, that's a big, I mean, 200 odd people. I mean, that's like, even if 1% would be, wouldn't sound like a lot, but it would be everybody's done the second dose. Everybody has, has gone deeper, whether it was, you know, a very similar dose, but they just were more relaxed. So they went into a, a deeper kind of state because of that comfort they had. Uh, but it's been, it's been really interesting. And the, the bond that people come out of our retreats with and the familial vibe, like everybody is on a, is on a secure signal group chat. And I mean, I'm on all of them. And I, like years later, they're, they're sharing. I just had a kid. I just went to this place. I love you guys. I mean, it's such a <laughs> familial vibe that it's so cool. Like what five yeah. days can do um, with, with, a, with a group of strangers. It's really interesting. Yeah, it speaks volumes to like neuroplasticity and experience and wellness and performance and meaning. And I think those are just giant concepts. But, you know, I think after you have experimented or become familiar with the psychedelic environment, you really begin to unpack those giant concepts and you're, you can move around. And I love the way you, you, you described it as getting to be the observer in some ways, you know, you get to, I, I once read an article that said something along the lines of um, the brain doesn't know the difference between reality and something you vividly imagine. And when you're in the psychedelic state, you can relive those experiences from an observer's point of view. And maybe, maybe that's what allows you to change the meaning of that event. Cause you know, you, people say that depression is being trapped in the past. Anxiety is being trapped in the future. But if you can relive that experience and ascribe a new meaning to it, you can get yourself out of that thought loop, right? And you no longer repeat those patterns of negativity. Yeah. And there's just so much growth in there. I'm so stoked to get to hear you explain them those ways. And, and yeah. well, that's the default mode network. You know, that, you that loop is, is the default mode network. And it's the brain trying to, trying to help us, you know, like right. it's, it's truly a, a good friend and it's like, well, we got to save, we got to save battery. We got to save power. Mm -hmm. Well, how does it do that? Well, let's do a low, low power mode, kind of like on your phone. Right. Okay. What's lower, low, what's low power mode? Well, it's only going to do, you know, the bare minimum and it's going to have routines and it's, it's trying and thinking this is going to help you, mm -hmm. but it's like those routines is unfortunately can be a depressive routine. 
of like, I'm not good enough. I should have done this thing. Mm -hmm. I, I shouldn't even try because I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to fail. And so you go into that loop now. Yeah, you're using less power, but it's just, you know, it's just a circle. And so with psilocybin and ketamine, it drops the, the default mode network, which is really interesting because it's a contrast where you're actually shutting down the default mode network. But we know this from EEGs that you're actually increasing the, the con connectivity of different areas of the brain that don't normally talk to each other. So shutting down one part, but actually lighting up another part. And that's that's the interesting combination where, you know, you're, you're able to get out of that depressive thought pattern and you're able to look at things differently because there's different areas of the brain that are connecting. So, yeah, it's really interesting to to, to see it, obviously, with the, with the discussions when they come out of the journey, but then to look at the science and be able to see, oh, yeah, the default mode network is always shut down as long as the dose is strong enough. And then the activity of the brain is like amplified quite a bit. I mean, there's some beautiful uh, visuals. If you just do, you know, psilocybin uh, pre and post, I think it was Imperial. This is a beautiful photo of showing the actual connectivity if somebody's not on psilocybin and that if they are. Um, and it's just as clear as day that, that it's certainly, you know, connecting different areas of the brain that don't normally talk to each other. That's so if someone comes down to the, the retreat and is that something people can see with like the EEG and then the, the integration, like it, it almost seems like if you could place those two patterns on top of each other, then you could really begin. Someone can really start putting it together. Here's how your brain looked. Here's yeah. what your thoughts were. Do you see how those are connected there? Like, is that, is that, can, is that something that people can see with the EEG machine or the neuroimaging that you guys do? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we, we give them an, we call it the athlete report, but it's the report okay. after their journey. And that shows their uh, clinically validated tools. So that's, that's either a depression score, an anxiety score or a PTSD score. Usually it's all three, but depending on why they're coming down, they'll see, and these, they're called patient reported outcomes, but they're basically forms that are clinically validated to analyze your depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress, quality of life. And so those are in the, in the report. So you can see prior to coming down while you were there post um, how you how you progressed with those scores and then also we show their blood pressure their heart rate and then their brain scan um, kind of the the contrast so the pre and the post and so there's there's a number of things there we work with kernel which is just an awesome company that gives you that gives us a, a deeper insight into the into the brain um, you can see it at the at the lion's brain um, landing page there they, we, the EEG is a wonderful device, but it uses, um, it, it's only copper. So it's using basically uh, a copper on the, on the head. And we, we work with a 14 channel and then we've also got a 32 channel, which just means the amount of connect connectivity okay. spots. Uh, but the kernel, it actually uses both that EEG and functional near infrared. So it's, mm -hmm. it's called F nears. So it's using light. And what's amazing about that is it's, it's sending light pulses down to the scalp um, thousands a second that is then bounced back and read by a laser, by a, so it's lasers in and then it's optical sensor in, uh, out. And then we're seeing, okay, what's that contrast? And what does that show us? It shows us the hemoglobin concentration. Mm. So, so you're seeing not all, and they call it the kernel flow for that reason, because you're, you're not just seeing, you know, if I had the, the, the EEG on your head right now, George, I would see flashes of activity, but I wouldn't know that the, bl the, the blood or the, the activity went from one area to the other. Mm. I would just know A, B, but I don't know if it went like this or, or like this. 
Mm. And and for some people, you know, they they're like whatever. You know, I get to see their their brain waves, and you know, it's better than nothing. But the advancement, and what I love from my geek side, is that this is just like technology did with with the internet. We went from copper, whether it was a phone line or then a dial-up and then a DSL line. Then we went to fiber, and fiber is light. So we went from like electrical to light in the internet world. And now we're doing the exact same thing with brain scanners. We're going from electrical to electrical and light. We're doing both. And so it's very interesting that we're getting a deeper resonance of actual data to say, this is the hemoglobin flow. This was the concentration at this point when we asked this question. And this is where, where it was a second later. And we can see that the blood flow went from here to there. So really, really interesting to just to, to leverage these powerful pieces of technology that are very new. I mean, they gave us uh, the second one they ever made. And so it's been wonderful to work with them. And uh, you'll probably see the Colonel in the, in the documentary. We, we had it on a, a number, well, all the athletes put it on. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been really cool to leverage this technology and, and be able to quantify some of the things because it's still such early days. Like we, we will see obviously differences prior mm -hmm. and post psilocybin. Um, some of our most brave people actually wear it, you know, in a part of the journey, which is just, yeah, so cool. that yeah. is awesome. It's really interesting. And there's so much, uh, coming that we'll, that we'll be releasing this year <laughs> around it. And we're going to be bringing the kernel onshore so that people in the U S can actually use it and, and really chart their own progress. And that's with psychedelics or not. We really want to offer it up as a, as a tool that people can use. So if they're, if they're doing a, a particular athletic treatment, um, mm -hmm. Or they're, if they're doing something around, you know, their own uh, personal development, they can do a brain scan prior and post, and we'll we'll make it accessible at the number of clinics that we're working at in the U.S. Um, but it's so much to learn. Like we we know that there's different brainwave states, and we know what like alpha and beta and theta and delta and gamma. Like we know what they predominantly do, um, but those are that's one side of it. Then there's particular areas of the brain, and we know what the average human is a healthy, so to speak, human is supposed to have as far as activity goes on in that area of the brain. But then certain areas, if especially if it's a traumatic brain injury uh, patient or participant, you know, that area of the brain is not as active. So like, say it's an athlete, <clears throat> like a hockey player, like they know they got a concussion. Right. But if it was a hockey fight, um, they don't know which blow to the head, you know, really affected them. Right. They it could have been this side, that side, above, whatever. With these tools, we can actually say, you know, we're seeing less activity in this sector of the brain, this quartile of the brain. So that that allows them to say, you know, wow, OK, yeah, I can see why my motor skills are limited because the motor cortex is getting less blood is, is actually having less activity. So let's focus in on treatment, on therapy, on that area of the brain um, so that it's a little more effective. Man, it's so like it makes my mind start racing, and, and I love the idea of healing, and I love the idea of the imaging and the psychedelics and everything working in unison. But as I, my mind starts racing, I, you know, the word optimization comes to mind because healing is a form of optimization. But what if we took it to the next level and people that are already in a healthy state? It seems like these technologies could be used to push the idea of optimization even further. Right. Wait, some yeah. of the same technologies probably could be used further. Have you guys thought about doing some of that kind of stuff? One hundred percent, George. I mean, that's, <laughs> I know well, because really, I mean, that is what real yeah. healthcare is. Yes. Right? Our, our system is built on break, fix. 
you know, no, no oil changes, no right. you know, tire changes. It's just like, just drive the car until it's on the side of the road and then call insurance and then we'll maybe fix it. It's like, right. you know, in all the other areas of our life, there's, there's maintenance, there's optimization. I mean, like imagine planes were like that and there was just no, you know, checks on the engines and it was just like, well, lost another plane today. You know, it was, it's just, it doesn't make sense the way it right. works now. Right. Financially it's beneficial. And, you know, I've talked to a number of people in, in the system, so to speak, that, that they, they, they explain why, you know, per capita, the U S spends more than any other country in the world. But when you look at the actual results, they're just, they're abysmal. Right. And it's because of this model, it's because it's been set up with this kind of like, you know, get broken, get fixed. Right. And there's a lot of money to be made in that. So we're very much focused on let's let's really try to to leverage psychedelics, not just for the sick. I mean, we're we're open right. to everybody. We're like the you know, bring us your tired, your sick, your weak. Yeah. You know, the, uh, <laughs> The, uh, the Statue of Liberty. But, you know, we really want people to come in that are, are, are making this a maintenance protocol. They're, they're coming in, you know, every year, every 18 months. You know, we're definitely not a company to say should, people should be, should be doing psychedelics every month. Um, but, you know, we do see that there's a lot of wonderful, like there's a, there's a beautiful couple that I met recently that once a year they, they do psychedelics together. And, you know, they got a couple young kids, the kids right. are taken off to grandma's and they, they go to, you know, a place either domestically or internationally. And, and that's part of the maintenance on their marriage. And it's not like they wait until things get really bad. It's just, that's what they decided to do. Mm -hmm. And so we want a, a world where that is kind of just a, a normal thing. And, and my goal has been, and it's going to be a tough one to do, but I think we can get there where people can actually have a psychedelic dose for the same price and the same accessibility as a massage. Mm. You know, you, you go in, yeah. you know, I don't know what it's like in, in Hawaii, but <laughs> it's probably, it's probably wonderful. Uh, but, but, but a massage in Canada is rough, is roughly around like 240 to $280 for like an hour, 90 minutes. It's expensive, but it's covered by insurance and people just do it. You know, they, yeah, people, if they've got a stiff neck, they go for a massage. But a lot of people just go because it's covered by their insurance. They they want to make sure that they, you know, they basically get the value out of their insurance. So they, they go. And if we can make that a reality, I think that's going to be a better world. Um, there's a really interesting culture in, in Mexico, in Oaxaca, that mm. it's part of the rite of passage that you're, you know, you're in your teens. So bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah right. age. And instead of you know, like what we do in Canada, we just go to a, a bush and it's a bush party and everybody's drinking their parents' liquor. <laughs> Not very mature. <laughs> Instead of that, they're actually doing psychedelics. And it's it's very um, mature. It's done with people, the guides that know what they're doing. But that is their coming of age. That is their welcome to the world. You're an adult. This world is more than, you know, you understood prior to this experience. Mm -hmm. This is a connected world. You need to respect nature, respect your fellow person. That is, the most, it's just such a mature way to, to, you know, do that rite of passage. And so, you know, that's not because they're broken at 13. That's because they want to, you know, level them up. And as you said, optimize them. Yeah. So 100%, that's that's where we would love the world to get to. And that's what we would love to be is, is not just, you know, focusing on people that are, 
that are you know at their at the bottom of the barrel, but really supporting people along their their health journey because the more that you understand your body, the more that you actually take care of it. Whereas you know if it's very much just you know they, you don't get the 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 education around diet or the education around activity and exercise, and you just kind of call the doctor when you're sick. I mean, it's just, it's a broken model. And unfortunately that's just the model that we've been given, but you know, there's a much more mature model here available. And I think that by blending psychedelics kind of early in life and, and, you know, frequently as frequently as you need, I think mm -hmm. it really keeps you connected to yourself. And if you're connected to yourself, then it's a lot easier to connect to others and, and to the world around you. Man, I'm so glad you said that. That's such a, astute point and i i agree wholeheartedly it, it the idea that we study sick people for health is just so backwards like we should be studying the people that are playing at the highest level and trying to figure out what those brain patterns are like and on the topic of rites of passage um aldous huxley is a great author and everybody knows him for the book brave new world but he wrote another book called the island and in that book the island they talk about this place where they use the moksha medicine, but it's, it's, it's mushrooms. It says right in the book, and it talks about these rites of passages of kids when they're on the cusp of teenagers climbing this mountain and having a mentor and sitting in this church and going through this sacrament. Now, it's all fictional. I'm not saying the kids and their teens should go do that, or, but I, I think that on some level, if we just look at history, look at the Eleusinian mysteries, you could make the argument that that was a rite of passage using a psychedelic substance. You know, it's in the literature that we use. And when we look at the world we live in, we're so absent rites of passage or, or these cultural moments of moving from childhood to adulthood. And I think there's a lot there. And I, I hope that that is the next chapter that we move to, because I think it's an important one. It's psychedelics on some level are almost like getting the instruction manual to your brain because you really begin to learn how to use it. You begin mm -hmm. to say, Oh, I'm a third person. Oh, if I did these five things, that would happen. Or God, why am I such a dummy? Why did I do that? Oh, okay. I'm a dummy, but let me get over and not do it anymore. Like you really are given. And maybe that's why psychedelics are given at that age. It's like, okay, now you're an adult. Let's learn how to start using this. See what you're capable of. But mm -hmm. Nick, I, I, I'm having such a fascinating time talking to you and I've, yeah. I've taken up quite a bit of your time, but I'm confident that in the future, there's going to be way more we can talk about. And I, I want to say thanks to you. Thanks to wake. Thanks to ESPN and the athletes for having the courage to get this out there. And I think it's going to be a game changer for the world of media, the world of athletics and the world for psychedelics and the world of people like yourself that are really pushing the envelope to help people in the mental wellness space man before i let you go what please give me some of the the links to the people that you've spoken about where people can find you where they can learn more about the retreat and what you got coming up absolutely and george thank you for doing true life i think you you're onto something amazing i've enjoyed a lot of the episodes so thank it's, you uh, it's a pleasure to be here uh, links uh we're wake.net that's our kind of corporate site then uh, if you're more of like a customer and you want to learn more about our product services and the Lion's Brain Protocol, it's wakewell.net. And uh, Dr. Mark Gordon is easy to find. Just do Dr. Mark Gordon um, and Joe Rogan. You know, that's, there's a bunch of episodes there that are wonderful. 
Um, Riley, he's, he's everywhere. So you can hit him up on Instagram or on LinkedIn. Uh, just a, a true soldier in this and just a, a really great person. And so, um, yeah, happy to connect everybody. I'm, I'm available at nick at wake.net. Uh, I'll try and I, you know, I, I respond to everything. So, you know, hit me up if you've got any questions and, you know, we'd love to have you down. We'd love to have you a part of the wake network in one way or another. So I, on a, on, a, on a related note, like I've spoken to some people in different parts of the world that would probably be interested in talking to you or maybe having you consult with them. Is that something that you offer to people if they were to reach out to you and want to learn sure. about how you're doing, what you're doing about different protocols? Is that something you're open to? Absolutely, George. Honestly, okay. it's a, a rising tide lifts all boats. And we just really want to, everything we've learned, um, you know, a lot of it's around safety, a lot of it's around efficacy. And so, you know, happy to share it because we want people to have a good experience. Man, it's, it's exceeded all my expectations, man. I'm so stoked. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, do yourself a huge favor. ESPN, Saturday, 1130. Let's, let's show ESPN. Let's show the world of psychedelics. Let's show everybody in this space that we're all behind them. Like, I think that the more of us that support this, the better it's going to be, the more we break into the mainstream, the more we help states with healthcare, like, I think that this Wake and ESPN partnership could be the things that people could take to a city council meeting that could help them really break the ice. So I'm, I'm really thankful for it. Everybody listening to this, make sure you check out the documentary. It's going to be amazing. I'm, I'm looking forward to it myself. And Nick, I hope you'll come back soon. I hope we have tons more great things to discuss. But that's all we got for today. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for being here and taking part in this. Aloha. Thank you, man. Yeah. All right. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years. Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I would just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.